Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one fall or TV time remaining. Introducing first, from the sovereign nation of Poland, and follow him on Twitter at Landaz, the one, the only, Landon Doan. What's up, good brother Rab, and I would like to introduce to you, even though I totally just let his name out, he is my tag team partner, he is my best friend, by God, it's Will freaking Rab. Rab, how are we doing this evening, or day, or middle of the day? I don't know how you're listening to this podcast. Well, I'm recording this podcast on a Friday afternoon, so I am damn good, brother, because it's a Friday (laughs) afternoon. Oh, wait, one more time, one more time, even though I said, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to listen to your podcast. It is a Friday afternoon, so uh, uh, let's uh, let's do some cowboy shit and record a podcast. A cold beer, hello. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 the other podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Now I know this is a podcast on the sweet science of professional wrestling, but I do think it would uh, be negligent at best, lazy. Well, I don't even know if it'd be negligent at best, lazy at worst. It, it would be bad and irresponsible on our parts if we don't take a moment to talk about what's been going on the last week and a half here in America and just all this shit that is happening right now. Yeah, and I think that's the word that sums it up. We're going through some shit right now uh, as a, a country does. I, I think I speak uh, for both of us here when I say obviously condolences to the family of George George Floyd. Honestly, condolences, thoughts, prayers to the families of everyone who's been affected uh, by racial violence and, and police uh, Brianna brutality. Taylor, that's a name that ha- has yep. not been mentioned as much as George Floyd. We're not, you know, trying to compare one death to another, but we do need to get her name out there. Like Rab said, to everybody that's been impacted with just this awful crap that seems to be ingrained in our society. But Rab, I, I didn't mean to jump on you. Get back in there. Yeah, obviously, condol- condolences to the Ahmad Arbery. Uh, family as well, because that has as much to do with what's going on and the the protests as, as anything else. That's that's racial uh, violence too, and there there's no place for that in in our society. And so, uh, as a near fall radio, but Munch Chips family, uh, we want to stand in solidarity and strong support of all of those who are fighting to make our world better and that shouldn't be so controversial and so with that Dawes, let's talk about men fake fighting in stretchy pants absolutely and real quick i do want to throw out black lives do matter and and if and if that offends you maybe you shouldn't be listening to this podcast yeah we don't need you we're good no no we're good and so with that said and in that spirit speaking of the the men fighting uh fake fighting in 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 stretchy pants or you know you know, sometimes denim in the case of Orange Cassidy. Uh, there was, uh, since the last time uh, you and I got together on an old podcast, uh, their good brother Doan, a uh, very uh, well done, well received, exciting pay per view. I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, it was called Double or Nothing, and I think it happened in this town called Jacksonville. I don't know if you ever heard of Jacksonville, Florida, but. Uh, it, the reviews were pretty good. I have heard of the pay-per-view event, though I think you're mispronouncing it. I believe it's Jacksonville. The J is silent. It's a soft J. Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Yes. I do but, know it is in Duval County. Which, of course, so. means the whales... Wait, no, no. Now now I'm crossing the streams too much. Yeah, uh, we were able to take part, or not take part, we were able to partake in watching, there it is, uh, AEW's latest pay-per-view uh, 
pr- presentation in double or nothing. Uh, top to bottom, really, really fun stuff. We've had some time and a couple episodes of Dynamite since the last time we joined you, the lovely listener, and where we are now uh, recording on the 5th of June, 2020, the year of our Lord, Macho Man Randy Savage. We're not going to go down and break down uh, match by match what happened, but Rab, what were your general thoughts and takeaways from Double or Nothing? Because you have to remember, like I mentioned, we have had a couple episodes of Dynamite since then, too. I thought it was really impressive that they were able to do a pay-per-view card and there was only one match on the whole card that I was like, you know what? Yeah, that was filler. It was legit all killer, uh, no filler. And I don't know if they were a little bit more uh, uh, aggressive because there's not a crowd. So you're not worried about wearing them out and not having the the heat you need in the building to get the reactions. Or honestly, I just quite frankly think AEW's just, the talent in there is just that damn good. Um. Obviously, the stadium stampede match, unless you're Uncle Jay, and we'll we'll save Uncle Jay's butt whooping for another day. Um, and, and, and unless you're Uncle Jay, who likes to go eat at the Dairy Queen, uh, every most everybody liked the uh, stadium stampede match, and I thought it was a good substitute, a, a good way to continue uh, the inner circle uh, elite uh, feud. In lieu of blood and guts, which needs to happen in front of a crowd, uh, I I I like the I like the card top to bottom. I think they put. Uh, we'll talk about this more because we've seen uh, what Cody's had to say since on Dynamite. I think they put the TNT belt in a, in a good position and a good role uh, for Cody and, and what he's going to do with the TNT belt. Uh, be interesting to see what Lance Archer's up to, other than uh, cleaning up debris on the side of the interstate. Just beating the shit out of construction workers too. <laughs> you know we're over here uh, in my neck of the woods. We're building a couple new middle schools there in the middle of demolition. So if, if Lance needs somewhere to come work out, they got a couple of old buildings he can push over. Uh, but you know that was as usual. Cody Rhodes does a great job of of telling a story and doing that old school style uh, Southern wrestling. That was great. Uh, to your surprise, and mine maybe a little less, uh, I think they put uh, both John Moxley and, and Brody Lee in good spots. Though we're still kind of waiting to see what they're going to do next with Brody Lee, but that was a good match and the finish and the way that was worked made everybody uh, look good. The Casino Battle Royal was a good uh, launching point for Brian Cage. I would say spoiler alert, but at this point, if you haven't watched Double or Nothing, then you know. <laughs> Uh, you're about two weeks too late for, uh, to complain. You about can still order it on BR Live and Fight TV, though. There you go, for only forty nine ninety five, and <laughs> you can uh, stream it uh, on the replays as well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so you know, it, it, again, it, it, it was a good, it was a good card. Uh, it, the 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 decision to move the strap in the women's division uh, was interesting, but I, I think you know it. Is an interesting decision, but you know, she is certainly worthy of it. She was the number one contender for literally 12 weeks, uh, three months. And so, uh, look, Nyla Rose is going to be strong and be able to be that good heel in the women's division, regardless if she has the belt or not. So, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, double or nothing. I'm excited that Best Friends is going to get a title opportunity. They won the, the pre show, uh, number one contender match and, Again, just uh, 
top to bottom, everybody came out looking good, including, uh, you know, MJF and uh, Jungle Boy. Yeah, that's uh, their a match, match that, really, that really good. I really wanted to focus in on because that was a match. It's like, don't get me wrong. I know both Jungle Boy and MJF are young <laughs> talents, but I... I don't know if I knew that they had that type of match in them. Like, I I know everybody wants to talk about the Stadium Stampede match. Everybody wants to talk about the AEW Championship match. But to me, MJF Jungle Boy was my match of the night. I was thoroughly impressed with everything that those two did in the ring and out of the ring. I liked introducing Wardlow into the mix at certain points. But then MJF gets a pretty relatively clean victory. And one of the critiques that I've seen on MJF online... Unjustly so, in my opinion, is that he's just a promo, and when he gets into the ring, he really starts to suffer. Uh, after his performance against Jungle Boy at Double or Nothing, like I said, I didn't think that was a fair uh, critique. I don't think that is, that's a critique people can say anymore. Now, some might say that that was just one good match, but MJF, every time he's given an opportunity and is given the spotlight, he proves why he deserves the spotlight he's given, and maybe even some more past that. I will echo what you said. I was a little surprised to see the AEW Women's Championship move off of Nyla Rose onto Sheeta, but I mean, like you said, Sheeta has really been one of, if not the highlights of the women's division over the last couple months. You mentioned a three-month stay as the number one contender now you do have to wonder if that was always the plan or if they had to kind of be like okay well well, she's just gonna stay number one because we have 25 percent of our roster due to uh, travel restrictions and all that stuff but i i am curious about something you mentioned the debuting brian cage winning the casino ladder match and he was paired with taz now This seems to be a pattern that AEW likes to follow. They'll pair a guy with a legend. We've seen it with Cody Mm -hmm. and Arn. We've seen it with Jake the Snake Roberts and uh, and Lance Archer. We've seen it with Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears. And now we see it again with Brian Cage and Taz. Some of those pairings work better than others. Some of them really, really work, in my opinion, talking about the Lance uh, Archer-Jake Roberts pairing. But, Rab, does it strike you a little bit odd that AEW once again has gone back to the well of pairing this big star with a legend, for the lack of a better term? In this case, I'm going to say no because I'm going to assume that because I don't know a lot about Brian Cage because he worked a lot of indie stuff and a little bit of impact. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know his his talking ability. I, I think it's kind of, I don't want to say it's hit and miss, but there's certain cases where I think it's necessary. Like, I, like again, I think Jake uh, having Lance as his client, so to speak, is smart because the whole, the whole feud was introduced by Jake Roberts showing up and saying, hey, I'm the one who really has a problem with the Rhodes family and I've hired this, you know, murder hawk mercenary to, to do my bidding, basically and take care of business and we got a, a target on Cody Rhodes back. Um, I kind of like, cause I know eventually and Arn Anderson's bound to, to betray the Rhodes family. Cause he is a, a, a horseman after all. Yep. And, and um, horsemen and Rhodes can't get along. Cody doesn't need Arn Anderson, but whatever. Uh, they haven't figured out what they want to do with Sean Spears yet, but I kind of understood Sean Spears having Tully. Um, I don't think the idea of having a mouthpiece for Brian Cage is a bad thing. He's the machine. He's the, he's this beast. And again, 
he he may still be working uh, on on his promo skills. But I'll be honest, I don't think Taz has done a great job, and I am a I, I like Taz, but uh, this whole build to this match has just kind of been weird because I don't think Taz has cut uh, exceptionally great promos. I mean, it is still early in the pairing of Taz and Brian Cage, so I don't want to say it's, you know, a bad pairing. And uh, I'm not super familiar with Brian Cage myself, but what I have seen, it doesn't seem like he's ever struggled behind the mic with the promo. So it's an interesting pairing. I do think it's uh, interesting, there's that word again I like to use, uh, that Brian Cage has kind of adapted Taz's mantra of uh, win if you can, survive if I let you. Uh, I I don't care for that, quite frankly. Uh, to be honest with you. And and I think I understand where you're coming from because it really feels more like a retread on Taz's former yeah. success as opposed to letting Brian Cage stand on his own two feet and let Taz be uh, in the background kind of amplifying him and enhancing him where he needs that enhancement. And I don't necessarily know if using Taz's old catchphrase really does help him. Uh, it does set up an interesting collision course at Fighter Fest. Brian Cage taking on AEW champion John Moxley. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump around and talk about some stuff. Are you worried that this is another big monster debut? And six weeks after he's debuted, he's gonna be catching an L because we kind of saw that with Lance Archer. Now I'm not saying Lance Archer is you know always being buried and 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 they broke Lance Archer, but I mean Lance Archer debuts like a house of fire and then he catches the L to Cody. Uh, I would be. St- Stunned if Brian Cage takes the title off of John Moxley at Fighter Fest. So I don't know. It's like like this aura of a monster, a machine, whatever you want to call it, can kind of be dampened or taken away so quickly. I mean, we kind of saw, or I thought we might see that with uh, Brody Lee, but like you said earlier, I think they both came out in a place that made them look strong. So maybe or I, I'm going to give AEW the benefit of the doubt on this, but at the same time, does kind of make me look sideways at it. I want to go back to one last thing on Taz. It, it's interesting that he's uh, in this role being a manager because he is also an announcer. I understand that announce booth is crowded because you have JR, you have Excalibur, you have Skiavone, and I don't necessarily want to punt uh, any of those guys. Uh, they they all serve their purpose, although JR gives you a couple okay boomer, boomer moments uh, sometimes. <laughs> I think it's okay boomer sooner moments with him. But it, it's it's Jim Ross and so like I'm going to give him a pass cuz it still just sounds right to have Jim Ross talking about wrestling. Mm-hmm. No, it was funny uh, after Cody won the uh, TNT championship. He's like, yeah, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the very first TNA, TNT champion. I almost said TNA, didn't I? Well, I'm probably fired. It's like, oh, boy, shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man. Yeah. Um, but – it's interesting because, you know, Taz does dark with Excalibur and, you know, at some point sports is going to start over. So there are going to be weeks that like Shivani's busy or JR needs a break or Excalibur has something happen. And Taz had talked about he liked this was on the, the episode of Unrestricted that Taz did uh, with Whiskey of Own and, and Aubrey. Great uh, podcast, by the way. I know it's not kosher or cool to plug other podcasts within your own podcast, especially one from a multi-billion dollar company. But check out AEW Uncensored. Good man, stuff. I don't care, man. I'll, I'll plug other stuff that's good. I'll plug other radio, yeah. <laughs> other radio shows that are good or where I get ideas from. I don't, I don't care. Uh, and he has enjoyed 
He he said he was enjoying doing commentary in AEW because he wasn't having to play a character. Because you know everything in WWE is a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know Jr. is the babyface announcer, so uh, the King is is the heel color guy. It is the same thing uh, for a while with Taz and and Michael Cole on SmackDown. And he liked just talking about wrestling because they don't produce you on co- on commentary in AEW other than to tell you, hey, we need to go to break in 10 seconds, count your way out. So it's interesting to me that he's, you know, aligned himself with someone because inevitably that's going to come into play in his his commentary and he said he liked not having to do that. But uh, to, to get back to, to your question, I wonder... Uh, to what this looks like for Brian Cage because you can't bring in all these guys, build them up, and they're doing a great job because AEW started using enhancement talent, and this is what enhancement talent's for. You get some big old SOB, and and you give them some some jobbers to toss around, and it makes them look good, and it was good for Brody Lee in his debut, and it was good for Lance Archer in their debuts, and really built them up to the point where it was believable when they went into uh, their title matches. I don't, you know, I I don't want to say the title can't change hands, because this is not the WWE where, you know, the title only changes hands on pay-per-view. AEW's changed titles on TV and they're treating Fighter Fest like a pay-per-view. It just happens to be happening on TNT. We'll get to all that. I was going to say uh, I feel like I feel like we might have opinions on that decision. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm I'm also confused cuz I, I saw I, I, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about I saw several conflicting things on TNT uh, this week regarding Fighter Fest. Um uh, eventually you can't build everybody up and always find a creative way to work him out of that just to keep the strap on Moxley. And I, I think John Moxley deserves to have the, the title uh, for a while, but it, it puts you in an interesting uh, position. So I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to kind of wait and see what happens. I don't want to get in the fantasy booking angle, but you know, th- this is where a DQ uh, might help somebody. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. It, like, I know some people are going to be like, "Oh, you can't have a have a BS finish for a title match as your main event on a on a pay per view, even though this is airing on TNT." Like you said, it is being treated as a pay per view. It's being treated as a big deal. But at the same time, if we do get a DQ finish, I think I think it would protect everybody involved. But I don't know. It's like. I think that Moxley needs to hold the strap here a little bit longer just because I don't think he's really gotten a fair shake with all this COVID stuff going on. And it's kind of really hampered his reign because I'll be honest, it's like it hasn't been the most engaging world championship title reign. But I think that is just because this is such a bizarre, wacky time. So I'm like, I... I'm wondering, do you hold the title on him until we can get fans back and then we really start to get back into the quote-unquote plans that were going on? Because like, I kind of feel like, and we talked about this on the last podcast, that it felt like it was almost like a hot shot of Brody Lee in the Dark Order elevating him into the main event to take on Moxley just because, hey, we only have... 25, 30% of our roster, and oh, by the way, we do have a pay-per-view coming up with Double or Nothing. Now, like I said, I was very impressed with... 
the match that Mox and Brody Lee had, and I think they both came out in good position. So what's not to say AEW can't do that again? But at the same time, like I'm, I would be curious to see what Moxley's reign would look like if this whole thing hadn't happened, which of course is impossible to take or to see or predict right now. But part of me wonders if they are going to just continue on this path kind of, you know, business as usual for the overall picture. And then once we get back to that norm or new norm, there's a term everybody hates to hear. Then we start to see their booking. I think we'll start to have some fans uh, at events uh, late this summer, uh, possibly because other sports are kind of trending in that direction. So I kind of, I agree with you in the sense that you, you want, you don't want to short the, the title reign down. I mean, if they put it on cage, they put it on cage. Uh, and and Moxley chasing the belt is as good as Moxley having the belt and, and defending it. But he, he probably deserves to have it to at least all out, um, which would be around that, that Labor Day uh, time frame. That's when it was last year. But just because we think that you know, I don't know if if it's good creative and it tells a good story and it leads to a good place. Again, it's pro wrestling. The belts are props, and so uh, it, it, if it leads you to a good result, then then so be whatever the result is, as long as it's compelling television. I mean, I just listened point. to a, I listened to an hour and six minutes uh, this morning of of Pineapple Pete talking about uh, <laughs> his little run there with, with Jericho and. You know, that match that, that he finally got on Dynamite, I think, what, totaled maybe a minute and a half, two minutes? Mm-hmm. But it, they, told a re- they told a really good story with the promo package and hyping it up all night and, and all of that. And, and Pineapple Pete got his, his 15 minutes of fame, uh, you know. So at the end of the day, it's about the story you tell, right? Not stacking all these accolades. And, and we'll see if... They've been planning to have Brian Cage for a while, and they have really big plans for him. And look, he's not a Jungle Boy or a a, a Darby Allin or one of those that you have to build up. Brian Cage, uh, you know, has some experience. He's been on television before. Comes with a pedigree, so to speak. You you just you look at him, and Alpha said, "Okay, those two are going to go get in a fight," and it was a shoot. I'd put my money on Brian Cage, so if he walks out of Fighter Fest with the strap, I can buy it, even if it's just a short-term thing as part of a storyline. Yeah, and I mean, like, if you want, if if AEW does have big plans for Brian Cage, it'd be a heck of a way to kickstart those giant plans. Him come into Fighter Fest and knock off John Moxley, because like Brian Cage is a mean-looking dude, and dude can go in the ring, like. I, I almost hate to say this because it could put unrealistic expectations on him, but I look at him as like if Brock Lesnar and a and a luchador like got into like a like the fly pot or whatever, and they came out on the other side, you would have Brian Cage, a jacked monster who could fly. Now I'm not talking the, like Rey Mysterio fly, but dude is agile. Yes. Here's the other thing too, and and this will kind of transition us to the next place where we're going in the conversation um with what cody's done and the way he's established he's going to defend the tnt championship and i was curious exactly how this would work i said you know would there be new rankings and no there's just men's rankings and and cody and mox are are separate and you just have one set of top five guys it's an open challenge man so 
you know, you work in this program with Mox and Mox just doesn't completely destroy Cage and makes him look bad. And and he walks out there one night and says, hey, I'm taking the open challenge from Cody Rhodes because apparently Cody Rhodes is going to wrestle uh, I, however long he has this strap. But theoretically, he's going to wrestle 52 championship matches this year. So uh, there you go. Uh, and, and, and you get him involved in something like that. You know, if, if you're, if you're actually thoughtful about what you're doing instead of, okay, we did it. Now here's the results and oh crap, we got to figure out what we're going to do like that other company, uh, up there in, in Stanford, uh, then you'd be all right. If, if you have thought about what you're doing, okay, this is what, this is our plan and, and we're going to put Cage in this match because, because he won this battle royal. Let's go ahead and pay it off and build up to Fighter Fest and, and put him right in the main event picture. Eh, but Mox is going to squeak out with the title somehow. But just like with Brody, we didn't make him look weak. We can get him in this program doing something else. So as long as you have a, if you're thoughtful about how you're going to do it and then you've given thought to where you want to go after, I don't know if he's necessarily going to get buried uh, taking an L to to John Moxley. Well, and and I, like I want to clarify, I don't think if Brian Cage loses here, he will be quote unquote buried. And and but I do think you make a good point, especially coming off the Brody Lee John Moxley match. Uh, Brody Lee catching the L here, but comes out on the other side. Uh, it looks like we might be getting some introduction of Colt Cabana into the Dark Order. And I think that's really interesting because unfortunately, due to travel restrictions, due to the Corona situation, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno have been off TV for what feels like forever. So the Dark Order really has been Brody Lee. Uh, they named Guy 10, who's super jacked, and then a bunch of masked jobbers. So I am very intrigued to see what uh, the Dark Order looks like like possibly with a Colt Cabana because like I like Colt Cabana, but I don't think that anybody thought when he signed with AEW, like boom, that right there, he's going right to the main event picture and he is going to be a, a mainstay. Colt Cabana is great in the ring. And I feel like if, if he was to catch on with the dark order, a, it not only gives the dark order another face to play with, so to speak, obviously they're heel, but uh, another face to play with while uh, Grayson and Evil Uno are out. Once they come back, like the Dark Order could be a pretty formidable force to deal with, with Mr. Brody Lee, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, Colt Cabana, number 10, and then a, uh, and then an army of faceless jobbers. I think that could be interesting, which goes back to the point. They obviously had a plan of what to do with Brody Lee and the Dark Order coming out of taking that L from John Moxley. And right now, AEW, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their booking decisions. Um, well, just to comment on the Dark Order thing uh, real quick, I do think that'd be smart because AEW's done a good job of establishing uh, multiple stables, right? Obviously, it's all elite wrestling, so it's centered around the elite. Mm-hmm. And Chris Jericho established the uh, rival heel faction in the inner circle. Those two can't feud forever, although I would watch all of it. Uh, <laughs> so if you have for you know, you have the Dark Order with four, four or five legit people in Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, uh, Grayson and Uno, and then 10, who they've kind of built up a little bit. Uh, you know, some, some other dudes who joined the dark order who were jobbers anyway, uh, that I can't remember. Uh, but 
that actually have names that aren't just like local enhancement talent that they found and said, "Hey, put on a mask." This aren't week there names like eight and nine? Like, like I'm only half kidding when I say there's some guy. I'm trying to remember. There's some guys who early on in the thing before Brody showed up as the exalted one had pledged their allegiance to to, to Dark Order, but I can't remember. It was a, a BTE sketch from a. A while ago, that's right. I, I completely forgotten about it. Stuff runs together, but you, you you get my point. Like that's another good place to go. And let's also not forget about uh, the the trio that never was yet uh, that we were all really excited for that got derailed in in the Death Triangle. Oh my God! Yeah, seriously. Like like the Death Triangle was going to be so super cool. Uh, Pentagon is stuck in Mexico. Ray Phoenix comes back for, what, two weeks, gets injured on the second week, and Pac is stuck on the other side of the ocean. So, like, man, when that trio comes back together, I am all in, no pun intended, for some death triangle. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. And at least they were able to – Pac was able to cut a video package a, a couple weeks ago, and unfortunately, uh, like you said, uh, Phoenix uh, got hurt, but uh, – I'm excited to be see what could be of the Death Triangle when everybody uh, gets united and we get the TNT or the not the TNT the A the AEW roster uh, back uh, to 100. Uh, percent Well, and speaking on uh, Ray Phoenix and uh, Pentagon, uh, the Lucha Brothers, we had an interesting debut the last couple weeks on Dynamite when the uh, former Revival, the former Revolt, whatever you want to now call them, it is just straight up FTR, makes their long-awaited, much-anticipated AEW debut and the reason I bring them up with the Lucha Bros is they gave a sit-down interview with Tony Schiavone on this most recent episode of AEW Dynamite. Kinda took a shot at the Lucha Brothers, saying that they stood for everything that they're against in the world of tag team wrestling, uh, with an emphasis on tag, which I think is a fair uh, critique of the Lucha Bros. They're very fun to look at in the ring, but if you pay attention to the rules of tag team wrestling, they really don't apply to the Lucha Brothers. But you can't you can't let rules get 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 in, in the way of of good spots. You know, I agree with be you a to a monkey. certain extent. Like, like I, like I, I agree. Everybody wants to see the flippy dippy stuff, and the Pent- uh, Pentagon and Ray Phoenix are some of the best at doing that. But there were reports that, like, even Chris Jericho came to them and the AEW tag team division, be like, "Look, guys, like, I know everybody wants to get in uh, their 450 Meltzer driver butthole splashes or whatever, <laughs> but you know, you do have to." tag in your tag partner so like i do think that's a fair criticism and everybody rightfully so when it comes to ftr they've been waiting for this young bucks ftr feud i honestly i think i might be uh as excited to see ftr and the lucha bros face off against each other now like like aew already had one of the most stacked tag team divisions in wrestling if not the most period but adding FTR to this already stacked tag team roster, I am super excited to see what comes in the future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. I don't know how long term this is going to be. It's a match we're going to get uh, coming up this week on, on Dynamite. But uh, first of all, I'm glad to see the Blade and the Butcher back. Although it, it's mm-hmm. weird they went from like this punk rock leather jacket thing to... Uh, all white. They look like the the Super Mario Brothers or something. See, I thought they were going for like a clockwork orange type look. See, I, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know where to paint place it. It looks like they're, 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 uh, 
they're, I, I, guess, I guess that might be what they're going for. It looked like they're either going hang out in a club on South Beach <laughs> or they're going paint a house. Yeah, they, def- they definitely did have a hard pivot from their look, not to mention the fact that you did mention it's the butcher and the blade, no longer the butcher no blade bunny. and the bunny, which which apparently that's an uh, BTE uh, or or dark storyline that they just decided to end that partnership. But, you know, shoulder shrug. That's as that 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 was weird because uh-huh. at first i didn't know if it was a i didn't quite it took me a second to figure out it was a storyline and spoiler alert Allie's married to uh the blade and so when qt was trying to get up in the dms i'm like dude you're gonna get your ass kicked <laughs> yeah even though they're not dressed super scary like you know uh, 1800 uh, monsters. I'm pretty sure dude could still kick your ass, QT. I mean, your name is QT for crying out loud. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. So I'm <laughs> glad, I'm, I'm glad that's a storyline. Uh, although I think, you know, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what that pays off. Uh, Dustin went go see uh, a, a special friend, uh, one who deals with the mystic spirits on BTE this week. So oh, yeah, that thing. Uh... They all can't be winners, ladies and gentlemen. No, if if you're behind on BTE this week, it's okay. <laughs> Quite frankly, I'm trying to remember there was oh there, yeah there there's one good segment because Orange Cassidy speaks when they're trying to figure out because they can't figure out their BTE gimmick that they're going to shoot that week. That was fun. That that was fun. Although it kind of ruins the 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 mysticness of Orange Cassidy. But you told me he talked for like 15 minutes about food. With Brandy on our YouTube channel. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if you want to just go ahead and ruin the kayfabe of Orange Cassidy, go check out Brandy Rhodes' YouTube channel where her and Orange Cassidy are in the kitchen for like 20 minutes <laughs> having a full-blown conversation. And one of the best, one of the first comments you see on the YouTube, he can talk? <laughs> it would have been so much better if he would have just stayed in character like MJF and would have just like sat there while like Brandy cooked. No, it was funny. Uh, Orange Cassidy, when he showed up, he uh, came out of one of her cabinets next to the uh, oven in, in her kitchen. So Orange <laughs> Cassidy is a very flexible man. <laughs> she apparently like cooked lunch. I think she did one where she cooked lunch with Darby too, which is just weird. But, you know, whatever. Weird flex, but okay. Uh, so... Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens uh, with FTR. I like what they told uh, Skiavone there. FTR stands whatever it stands for whatever FTR wants it to stand for that week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's good. And then you know Skiavone at the end dropped an F bomb. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Can I say this? I always thought it stood for fuck the revival. <laughs> and and he, I love the fact that they believed out he is a, the he revival is a treasure. Too. Can oh. I can I just say say that? Absolutely. Say it again too. Tony Tony Schiavone, aka Skiavone, aka Captain Starbucks, um, <laughs> is a national treasure. I didn't realize it because when I was a kid, I pretty much, you know, I, I got into wrestling in the Attitude Era, and so I watched pretty much straight WWF, you know, Stone Cold, uh, Beer Truck, uh, Stunner, Jabroni, SmackDown Hotel. So I, I mean, I knew who. Uh, Tony Schiavone was as I started to learn more about the business. I just knew him as the guy who uh, told you what happened that Mick Foley won the WWF championship. Quote, that'll put butts in seats. I still throw that out all the time on, on, oh, during yes. the day job. Um, so he's so good because like the stuff he's doing to help put like Britt Baker over oh and the, the interview he did, you know, the stuff he did with the revival there. Like he, he gets that he's supposed to be like the stooge or the foil 
to to the stars, you know, working their gimmick. He's just he gets it. And and and, and he and again, he and Aubrey do such a good podcast. Oh, so good. Like can can we say he's low key one of the MVPs of AEW in their first year of existence? Absolutely. I don't think they would I don't think they'd be in as good of a spot uh without Shivani. Now, I you know, I trust that JR and Excalibur and whoever they would have put with Excalibur, uh Marvez or Taz or whatever would have figured it out. And they got enough smart people not that Marvez. Been not not him. No. I'm, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, look, they would have I'm just as a team, they would have figured out with whoever, they would have figured out very quickly that it wasn't Marvez, but <laughs> the team would have figured it out. He's much, but he's much better interviewing Lance Archer while he 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 snaps rebar. <laughs> but yeah, Shivani's an absolute MVP. I mean, Britt ba- Brit Baker's not as over. Two oh things without Shivani going along with her stuff and her legit breaking her nose. So yeah, that, that again, Tony Shivani national national wrestling treasure. We love you, Skiavone, even if you are a gross Georgia Bulldog. And he gets a pass. Yeah, he gets a paycheck, so good on you, Skiavone. Yeah, so we kind of briefly touched on Cody being the TNT champ earlier, Dawes, but it, it, it is uh, worthy of discussion because, you know, there's only one uh, inaugural champion of anything. And uh, for the TNT belt, it is uh, Cody Rhodes. And, and like we said, a very ambitious open challenge. That was a, a great promo uh, that he cut. And that's just something he's he, – he, he, I don't know if there's anything in wrestling where you look at it and you're like, Cody's the absolute best at X, Y, or Z. But when you talk about a total package, he's pretty darn good. We're talking about Lex Luger now. I thought we were talking about Cody. No, um, I'm going to, I liked the fact that he's doing the open challenge. It's going to a establish Cody as the fighting champion. B it's going to elevate the TNT championship and C it's going to elevate some stars along the way and make them actual legitimate stars. I see a lot of parallels from when John Cena won the U S championship in the WWE and he did the John Cena open challenge and like everybody got a shot and they looked like a million bucks without the John Cena open challenge. I don't know if Kevin Owens has this level of success he's had so far in the WWE without that. The promo on the other hand, like I don't know, like it, 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 it had some shades of heel in it. Like, like when, Co- when Cody started talking about, you know, I wasn't the first name that Tony Khan called. I wasn't the second or the third or the fourth. I'm like, dude, uh, shut bullshit. your mouth. Ma- yeah, yeah, that's not true. And we all know it, Cody. It's like, it's like I guess this is uh, kind of a downside of knowing uh, the behind the scenes of AEW. But it's like when I heard that, it's like just kind of made me roll my eyes and really took me out of it. I do like it, the fact that he is doing the open challenge. And I think that'll, like I said, do all the uh, things that I said. Can we talk about the way the title looks right now? Because I, I feel like it would be hypocritical because like me personally, I didn't hate the WWE Universal title as much as some fans did when it debuted. I didn't love the look of it, but at the same time, like that TNT championship, woof. Now I understand they, they did say this on Double or Nothing and in Dynamite since then that it is not the finished product due to the Corona shutdown. They couldn't get it. Looking 100% like they did, but 
I don't know, man. It's supposed. It's supposed. To, it's supposed to be. It, it's supposed to be a, a a red and gold belt. It's not supposed to be silver. Uh, so uh, I, I like the design. I like the homage to TNT Ted Turner's old mansion, which was I the original TNT was headquarters. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it's the TNT belt, so that's going to be figured prominently. It's got the red in there, which is nice. It kind of sets it apart, and Cody has the the red champions graphics. So look, man. It, Great on such a curve because of the Rona. And if you can't finish the belt, you can't finish the belt, but you booked the mat. So what are you supposed to do? You know, like you literally can't get it gold plated. I think it'll look a lot better gold. Oh, I, abs- I absolutely think it will look better in the future. And again, I'm not bagging on it. I just did want to point it out that there was some people that didn't really dig the look of it. Like, I don't think it's super great. But again, like you said, there are extenuating circumstances. And the person that gave Cody the title after his win over uh, Lance Archer. We got to talk about Iron Mike Tyson. And it in 2020, it looks like a very real possibility that Mike Tyson and Chris Jericho is going to happen. Like, I, again, mm. I said earlier, I'm giving AEW the benefit of the doubt when it comes to their booking. But like, I don't know. Like, I feel like if 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 TNA pulled this exact same stunt, I don't know if I would be as open to it. Again, TNA Impact, whatever you want to call them, they have a history that makes you kind of question their decision making. But like, I don't know, Rab. Like, and and then the and then the pull apart promo we got on the first Dynamite after Double or Nothing didn't exactly make me feel super great about this prospect. Like, like in. in Am, am I being like overly negative here? No, because I I don't care. Uh, I get you're trying to have to cobble stuff together, and when you're on TV 52 weeks a year, and you got a, a two hours, you got to fill every Wednesday night. Everything's going to be a home run. Um, I don't need this, and, and it's weird because I very rarely would question something Chris Jericho's a part of because he's. Having seen his career and then listening listening to him enough on his podcast talk about the psychology of wrestling, I understand he knows the business very well. This is some cheesy late WCW stuff. The the the, the whole the whole smas and the pull apart and all that that was that was bad. The whole thing that Tyson, the whole impetus being that Tyson snubbed him. However many years ago in the other company in your on an your episode pro- of Monday Night Raw, not even a freaking pay per view on a rando episode of Monday Night Raw. Sorry, sorry. You don't you don't need this. Um, if I I don't know, the only good thing that that came out of this whole thing is uh, Jericho coming out this week, and I think we all probably figured out pretty quickly that Iron Mike still wasn't in Florida. Uh, and, and said, I want the baddest man on the planet, and then the best <laughs> friend's music hits and Orange Cassidy walks out. Yeah, that was pretty great. So I don't know if that leads to, to some feud with Orange Cassidy instead of uh, Iron Mike, but I, I didn't need all that. It was very cheesy, and I kind of started cringing because I'm like, okay, this is everything that kind of AEW claims to be the antithesis of, and I get when you have Chris Jericho involved in that main event spot, you're going to get more traditional storylines than you're going to get from 
what the Young Bucks want to do or even what Cody wants to do or some of these other performers who have a different background. And, I, you know, I also get it's probably good for AEW because all these people, you know, Iron Mike Tyson shoves Chris Jericho. They put it on YouTube and eight bazillion views. But I don't I don't I don't need any of this. You know, it reminds me. I don't know if you'll get this reference or not. I don't know if you watch this program or not, but it's actually on my TV right now as I'm recording the podcast because there's not a lot good on afternoon television. So uh, on Friends. Uh, when they got towards the, the middle to the end part of the run, they all knew, but of course the fans didn't know yet that Ross and Rachel were going to get back together. Uh, but they needed something for each of them to do. So like Rachel was in love with Joey for a while, you knew that wasn't going to last. And so that's what this is. This is, this is Rachel trying to date Joey on friends. I don't need it. Okay, all right. I'm 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 not super well-versed in the Friends universe, but I do pick up what you're laying down. And it's like, I'll be honest, if Chris Jericho wasn't involved, I don't know if I would be as open as I am. And I'm, I'm coming across as not being super open to the idea, but I have enough faith in Chris Jericho. He knows what he's doing. So I'm going to be like, okay, why? Okay, you go do your thing and we'll hope for the best because... Right now, Chris Jericho is going through a career renaissance, and that's after he's gone through career renaissance after career renaissance. This is a guy that keeps reinventing himself and seems to be hitting more uh, more strikes than he's missing on. So I, with all that being said, I don't really like like. I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine, but like, it really does. You said this is this is pretty much the opposite of what AEW claims to be, and I can't disagree with you. And like. Man, Mike Tyson's involvement from this kind of screams back to like putting Arn with Cody. It's like, why are you doing this? Just because you can doesn't doesn't mean you necessarily should. This feels like uh, overbooking or being way too busy, adding unnecessary bells and whistles. Because I'll be honest, like it double or nothing, Mike Tyson. I think he took away more to the match than he added. Like if we're being completely honest and like, I like it did get them some mainstream publicity, which I know they're all about. But again, like that just screams like, like late in life, WCW or TNA or, or, or some just really hokey booking trick. It's like, like I said, if Chris Jericho wasn't involved, I think I'd be more out on this than I am. But I mean, as you can tell, I'm not super enthusiastic about it, but at the same time, it's like, like you do have to have something for Chris Jericho to do in the meantime. And it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a best friends inner circle feud, just with the way that orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho has been interacting with each other. Now, the worst case scenario for this would be if like Mike Tyson and orange Cassidy form a tag team to take on like Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, like, okay. Like, can we go ahead and like say that is not going to happen because that would make me feel way, way better. If anything, if Mike Tyson was going to continue to hang around the guy who should have had a problem with Mike Tyson is Lance Archer. Cause Mike Tyson kind of interfered in that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, to stop Lance Archer from uh, cheating to gain an advantage, uh, so yeah, well, th- th- this is a this is a poop sickle, uh, <laughs> and it's okay. You're gonna have a couple of those. You're gonna have an idea, and it's just you know gonna be cheesy or overbooked or whatever. But 
it's not going to ruin AEW because the rest of the product's so good. So I, you know, I'll give it a pass. It, it, again, it's filler. It, it, it is what it is. What it is. Chris, Jericho needs something to do. The roster's limited. Tyson was around. You know, I guess it it makes sense. I, some, somewhere I get the sense that it, they originally had Mike scheduled for when they thought they'd be able to do all this in Vegas, and so they just kept him around because they had lined up Mike Tyson. And that kind of made a little bit more sense because if you know you're debuting this new belt in Vegas, have this prize fighter bring it out, and you know what what's the what's the other option? The the president of TNT hands the belt to Cody Rhodes, and nobody knows who that jabroni is. Yeah. So I mean, there I don't were know. it it, sh- it should it should have ended it should have ended at double or nothing, but you know. Uh, you're going to have some swings and misses. We've both done enough programs to know that they're all not going to be exquisite. Yeah, case in point, this particular episode. But, <laughs> but yeah, what are you I, talking about, dude? This is <laughs> this is a this is a Dave Meltzer six star podcast, man. It'd be seven if we were recording it in the Tokyo Dome, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. I do want to get in one WWE story here. Okay. But, um, and this is about uh, as if the hits of 2020 couldn't uh, get any worse. Uh, the Gronk is no longer part of the WWE universe, Rab. Yeah, because he's a, he's a Tampa Bay yuckaneer, right? Yeah. Uh, so if or you excuse me, excuse if, me, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. That's awful. That is awful. Like uh, of all the bad stuff we've talked about on this podcast, Tampa Bay might be the worst thing. Uh, (laughs) That's the worst uh, thing that comes out of my mouth today. I'm doing pretty good. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But yeah, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, Rob Gronkowski, uh, I guess former and now current NFL tight end, uh, did re-sign with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or rather signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, making his uh, comeback out of retirement to go play with his buddy Tom Brady. And, I mean, he was the host of the two-night WrestleMania, because remember, this year WrestleMania was uh, too big for one night, so he was the host, uh, did a dive off of the stage and captured the 24-7 championship. He lost it back to R-Truth this past uh, week on Monday Night Raw. And it's since come out that Rob Gronkowski is no longer in um, as a part of the WWE. I think we all knew this was coming. But what I don't think we expected coming was there is some reported heat on Rob Gronkowski. I believe Fightful.com uh, had the report that there was some heat on Gronkowski because apparently he was very hesitant to do that stage dive uh, to the point that it delayed the taping of WrestleMania for a couple hours, took Vince McMahon, you know, old man Vince coming out, proving to him, if you do the dive, it'll be fine. So Vince McMahon took the dive to show Gronkowski it would be fine. Still was a little hesitant and apparently uh, got some heat from the people in the back on that. So, uh, Rab, so, what was your uh, highlight of the Rob Gronkowski run in the WWE? <laughs> so, in other words, Rob Gronkowski's a sissy? That's amazing. I, I mean, like, it's easy to, to slam on Gronk for that. But at the same time, like, you have to remember, he has no professional wrestling training outside of, like, maybe a handful of times at the Performance Center. And you can only do so much if if you go down to uh, the PC, you know, five times over, you know, three weeks and work out and train for three hours at a time. But 
you know, let me have this moment. Okay, Rob Gronkowski's right, a sissy because we don't like him anyway. Who cares? <laughs> the Bucks are now the Patriots, and and that's the Death Star, and, and he's a sissy. But no, I. I should, we shouldn't be surprised because the NFL's the the not fun league. You know that I, we really shouldn't be surprised that Gronk's retirement didn't last that long. Yeah, uh, to be honest, uh, you kind of figured that um, he just hated Bill Belichick and apparently vice versa. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times, you know, when we see it happen in wrestling, too, your body gets so broke down that you need that time off, and then once you finally get off the road, you actually heal, and then you can come back and 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 do another run, uh, give her, you know, one last job. Uh, but it would have it would have been so cool at like a you know like it'd been so cool to to have Gronkowski like pinned in the end zone. That would have been for the twenty seven belt. But you oh know that's God, just that not gonna. So cool. It's just not gonna happen. So or even just, like our truth shows up at like uh it it bucks training camp or something yeah. and rolls him up. But it's like he got pinned in his garden or something. So so. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should clown on Rob Gronkowski. But at the same time, it's like, I'm kind of bummed and I'm kind of wondering what if, because like, I'd like, if any professional athlete could transition to the WWE, I thought it would have been Gronkowski because I mean, dude was, dude was a clown. Dude was a larger than life individual character, even in the no fun league. But we saw what we saw and it's like, it, not everybody can get behind a microphone and feel comfortable. And we saw a lot of that in Gronkowski, some very uh, uncomfortable. And I am reading off of a cue card right here. That's why he had to wear his big, giant, stupid glasses, because you could see his eyes go from line to line, word to word. <laughs> I don't want Clearly, Rob Gronkowski's been hit in the head. Um, I don't want to make light of that. But, yeah, so... I, Rob Gronkowski's run in the WWE about as memorable as uh, the Fire Festival. So yeah, well, and I did. Uh, you made mention to it there, and I made mention to WrestleMania this year being uh, too big for one night. So is this year's Fighter Fest, as it was announced by AEW on this most recent episode of Dynamite, that we will be having Fighter Fest airing on TNT. Over two nights, July 1st and July 8th being the second night. Uh, now, if you remember last year, uh, Fighter Fest was streamed on BR Live. It was part of the, uh, the Fight Fest or so, like some, some video game fighting conference. Me being a video game dork, I probably should know this. I apologize. Uh, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of a tune up. They did uh, Fight for the Fallen, they did Fighter Fest, and those are kind of tune-up mm -hmm. shows to kind of bridge the gap between uh, Double or Nothing, and then they had All Out, and then they had the TV debut, so it was kind of, you know, I don't want to say a dry run, but kind of sort of, you know, a, a tune-up card, kind of get people's interest and, and kind of get practice working live TV and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, and I I think a dry run is a fair uh, way to describe uh, Fighter Fest last year. Uh, of course, now uh, AEW is in their regular, well, somewhat regular TV schedule. Nothing's regular right now with Corona nineteen or uh, the coronavirus going on. But uh, I've seen some people online be kind of like, eh, I, I, I don't know about Fighter Fest being on TNT, particularly in two. Two nights broken up a week apart. Rab, what are your thoughts on this? 
Okay, so I was kind of disappointed that they didn't do more with Bash at the Beach, and it was just a special edition of Dynamite, but kind of at the end of the day, I kind of understood where they were coming from. There were some uh, things, uh, you know, Cody bought some trademarks mostly for his mom to have uh, for Dusty's estate, uh, and and that's important for revenue and and whatnot and anything, and, and the Rhodes family can own stuff that Dusty uh, created so they they used Bastion's Beach last year just kind of to flip Vince off, um, and because they can. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I think with the model they have, they would be wise to bridge the gap between their traditional pay per views with basically I'm going to call it a network special. Um. Every so often, a couple times a year to help, you know, bridge that gap and have some have something other than just two months of dynamite, three months of dynamite before you get to a pay-per-view. So I'm still going to tune in and watch. I watch dynamite every week. I would have tuned in and watched uh, Fighter Fest, however it was delivered and the pay-per-views and whatnot. I wish this was in a different format. I, I don't get the point of just ba- again basically having a special edition of uh, dynamite. Uh, you know, it used to make sense back in the day. It used to be a big deal. Remember, they you know they'd promo it. Hey, tune in next week. It's a special three hour Monday Night Raw because we're having the draft or we're having this thing or whatever it was. And then Raw was three hours every week, and all of a sudden it wasn't special. I especially don't get it now because there's like no programming, right? Like the high they did we, during a pandemic, we had the highest rated cable golf event ever, and the the NBA is not going to be back until the end of July, and so you're telling me that AEW couldn't get a slot on one of the Turner channels. To to do this on like a Saturday night and basically give the fans a free pay per view and like you know everybody's looking for content right now so I, we joke putting it up on YouTube live on YouTube would have been better than just renaming Dynamite for two weeks because it kind of it diminishes Fighter Fest and it also kind of diminishes uh, Dynamite too because it confuses people and I don't know I. I hadn't considered them like like the confusion factor to the common fan. I hadn't considered that. And it's like, like I'm going to echo everything you said. It's like right now everybody's looking for content. And why wouldn't you go for like an old school clash of the champions? Like yep. it's going to be a special event uh, starts at 605 on the Superstation TBS. Like I, I still remember, you know, having to rush home on a Saturday and be like, hey, Sting and Ric Flair are fighting for the WCW championship and it's going to be on free TV. Hell yeah, I'm going to watch that. So like. Like and and I do like the idea and the point that you make. It's like you need something to kind of show that it's not just months of dynamite that build up to a pay per view, and then more months of dynamite that build up to another pay per view. I, I like the idea of them having specials for the Turner networks, and it's like, 
especially now that we know when the NBA is coming back, maybe this decision was made when they thought, well, well I mean, uh, TNT uh, might be showing NBA games. Well, now you know it's going to be at the end of that month. But, where Turner, but Turner has True TV, Turner TBS, has I know Live, all that stuff, TBS, but- and I understand they have their deal, you know, they have their deal, it airs on TNT, but it's like Warner Media. They can figure out, I've seen it before, there's, too many NBA playoff games scheduled for one night. They put one on TBS. There's a, a rainout, so a, a a baseball game that was supposed to be on TBS moved to TNT. Like everybody needs content right now. I don't know. I, long term, I think what would be really cool is maybe try to leverage uh, the the partnership you have because Warner owns half of the CW network with CBS, and maybe develop some specials on over-the-air TV way down the line, but you can do better than just having Fighter Fest in the place of Dynamite. And then what was really confusing is there were promo cards that went out, and it was on TV, and then is on the internet, and one promo card said 10, 9 Central, and then another promo card said 8, 7 Central. So what time is Fighter oh. Fest? <laughs> Well, Rab, we didn't know when it was date-wise, so, I mean, calm down. They just gave us a date. It's not like we can expect a time or anything. Because what? I'm going to watch two hours of Dynamite, and then we're going to have Fighter Fest. At, it starts at 9 o'clock, and it's going to be three hours, because they've already said it's going to be three hours each night. Mm. They're, they're putting a pay-per-view on television. They're doing a Clash of the Champions, basically. They're just putting it in the Dynamite slot, which I guess is fine, but... You know, to me, I'm thinking, again, you're going to do it like Clash of the Champions. You're going to do the old Saturday night main event that WWE did. That was in addition to their regular uh, programming. They were trying to make that special a big spot like the pay-per-views were. So, I don't know. Well, like you said, regardless, we're going to be watching both July 1st and July 8th. But kind of kind of looking at it sideways and scratching your head a little bit. But as I've said before in this podcast, AEW with their track record, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Until the, sh- the, the, sh- the show is going to be good. Bash at the, the, the Bash at the Beach Dynamites were really good. Fighter Fest is going to be good. I... There, there's limitations to everything. I understand in this, I, you try to leverage things and things don't always work out. I would have thought in this time where there's no programming, you would have been able to leverage that into another night uh, and, and have it be a standalone event, even if it has to be on BR Live or again, you put it on the AEW, you put it on the AEW Facebook or, or live on YouTube or something. I don't know, uh, but you know, we're going to watch. It's going to be good. The matches are going to be good. All the belts are going to be on the line. Uh, Moxley and Cage is going to be good. Whoever Cody fights for the TNT strap will be good. Uh, she, Holy Sheeta is going to uh, kendo stick her way to a title defense. And, <laughs> and we get uh, best, be- friends and, uh, the, the be- and the best friends and Hangman uh, and Omega. The best friends and Hangman and Omega. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. It, it, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be a good opportunity uh, for a lot of people to be showcased because there's going to be two weeks of Fighter Fest and they're going to expect pay-per-view caliber matches. So I'm excited for it. And I do think you're right. It will be good as long as we don't get the sequel to Michael Nakazawa and a- Alex Jabaley because, oh, that thing sucked out loud. But that's for another podcast at another yep. time. Rab, where can the love listeners find you? Oh, man, uh, they can, again, follow me on Twitter at R-A-B-B-W-I-L-L-R-A-B-B-W-I-L-L-R-A-B-W-I-L-L-R-A-B-W-I-L-L-R-A-B-W-I-L-L-R-A-B-W-I-L-L-R-A-B-W-I-L-
instead just my name backwards. I don't know. Work on that. Uh, but uh, off the bench Monday through Fridays, uh, eleven to noon. Uh, WCDTRadio.com. You can check that out. Uh, if you're not in the Franklin County area, then you know how to listen to WCDT. Although I'm fixing to go on vacation uh, June the 10th through the 17th. So uh, if you tune in then, you're just going to hear music. Uh, <laughs> with that said, appreciate you checking it out. You can uh, subscribe to the WCDT Radio Podcast to go back and listen to Off the Bench on demand whenever you'd like to as well. Good deal. Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can follow me 280 characters at a time. I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail podcast, a podcast about the Walt Disney World Resort and all the happenings down at the House of the Mouse. We did mention that the NBA is coming back on July 31st, and I bring that up because it is emanating from the wide world of sports complex take or on the Walt Disney World property. So uh, that'll be interesting to see, at the, uh, to say the very least. I also appear on the Phil Show on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Monday through Friday at Newstalk987.com, also available in the iHeartRadio app and the News Talk 987 app as well. So, uh, Rab, any thoughts on our way out the door? I just uh, remind people, uh, you stay safe. Uh, the Rona's uh, still out there. And uh, try to listen to one another. Mm-hmm. Wash your damn hands and Black Lives Matter. So for the Will Rab, I am A. Landon Thank you for joining us on another episode of Near Fall Radio. You've been great. We've been Near Fall. Thank you very much. And